Let's pray together as we uh, come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we come uh, afresh to your word, having full confidence in it, in its life-changing properties. Please, would you speak to our hearts and our minds this morning uh, and enable us to be changed as a result of that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I shouldn't say this as a mission director, but missionaries are just plain weird, aren't they? I mean, who would take their children and go to Africa, Pakistan, Arctic Canada? I mean, have you seen what those places are like? Spiders, lions, polar bears, temperatures of more than 40 degrees in the summer or 40 degrees under in the winter. Not a Pret, not a Costa, not a Starbucks in sight. And of course, there are some people who go to the other extreme thinking that Christian workers somehow acquire a, a heavenly insurance policy and that nothing bad can happen to them. They all just float through life immune to problems and difficulties. However, we're all too aware, aren't we, that Christian workers are far from immune from trouble, from illness, parasites and burnout, through to murder and kidnapping. So I guess the question is, what is it that makes people like us get involved in this crazy work? You could say it's a sense of God's calling on our lives. Well, yes, I guess that has to be part of it. But it is mostly the certainty that God's word and God's word alone can bring life to those who are lost to eternity without it. Let me ask you a different question. Have you ever wondered why it is that why it is that people reject the offer of paradise? That amazing picture in Revelation 22, eternal life, the prospect of a future with no more pain and no more suffering. Why they ignore the good news of the gospel as irrelevant or perhaps they're just downright hostile to it. Why they don't need a crutch, even if we do. So I wonder if you would relate to them differently. If I told you that the truth was being deliberately hidden from them. I mean, can you believe that? Like someone covering their eyes and covering their ears so that they couldn't see and they couldn't hear. But not only them, but millions of people over thousands of years. Now, this isn't some conspiracy theory. It's not an urban myth I've read about, I've read on Twitter. It's not fake news. It's the plain truth on the pages right in front of us. Chapter 4, verse 3 tells us that our gospel is veiled. The birth, life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus the need for a saviour, not to mention the saviour himself, are hidden. But look at this. We read that it is veiled to those who are perishing. Paul goes on to tell us in verse 4 that unbelievers' minds have been blinded so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The, the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, the gospel is being covered by a veil. The gift of eternal life is denied to those who are perishing. It sounds like the spiritual equivalent of hiding the life jackets on a sinking ship and breaking up the lifeboats. So, so if the gospel of Jesus Christ is being hidden from millions of people, who is responsible? Who is doing the hiding? Who's in the frame for all of this? Well, the passage tells us that the devil is behind this great deception. The beginning of verse 4 tells us that the God of this world, in other words, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, the devil is not someone we talk about much nowadays. Perhaps at one point in history, we talked a bit too much about the devil. But nowadays, we, we mention him so rarely that he's become something of a mythical creature, a bogeyman. But here it is in black and white. The God of this age, the devil, is very real and behind the biggest cover-up of all time. Paul, writing in his letter to the Ephesians, lays it out even more cl clearly for us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms A few of us heard Ben Quashi, the Archbishop of Joss speak here in England a number of months ago He was speaking about the clergy that he's responsible for in the province of Nigeria and just telling us how they are attacked and how they've been killed because of their faithfulness in preaching the gospel. Now Ben himself downplayed the attempts on his own life. Instead, as he only he would, encouraging us to make the most of every day that the Lord gives us. Incredibly humbling. But, but notice that the struggle in Nigeria and on that extreme is actually the same struggle that we face here in the UK and, and, and in the rest of the world. He might use different tactics, but it is the same opposition for the same reason from the same devil. Now, I can't see your faces this morning, uh, but I wonder whether you might be slumped back in your chair, just feeling out of your depth, overwhelmed even. But overwhelming as it sounds, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't feel inadequate. Or as Paul says in verse one, we shouldn't lose heart. Why? Because we're reminded that it is God who has called us to this ministry. God who's called us into service in his battle. And we already know the outcome, don't we? The final outcome. The Lord Jesus victorious. The devil defeated. And how has he equipped us? Looking again in Ephesians 6, we see the Apostle Paul describe the full armour of God with which we are to enter the spiritual battle. The belt of truth breastplate of righteousness, fit, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. All of this is defensive though for our protection. Paul closes his list in Ephesians 6 with the only weapon that, that, um, sorry, Ephesians, that, that Paul suggests we need, the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. The only weapon we need is the word of God. Verse 5 we read in our passage, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. In this spiritual battle, we are to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. In order to see people come into the kingdom of God, we are to stick to the truth of the gospel, rather than taking other routes that will just turn out fruitless. At this time, of spiritual openness in the world around us when our friends and our neighbours are evaluating their own mortality. If we're not careful, our discussions can be about being like us or about becoming a Christian or about joining a church. And what happens? Well, it might be a good starting point, but if what we say doesn't go beyond us, the risk is that all they see is our sinful state 
the things that we struggle with, not the, thing, not the lives that we aspire to live. Restrictions on what we can do rather than the freedom we have to serve the Creator. And the devil wins, his veil remains intact. Job done. Instead, we are told to point people to Jesus, to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. That is man's sinful state and separation from God, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and his victory over devil, sin and death. And where else do we find this but in the scriptures, in the Bible itself? Now at Crosslinks, our missionaries don't go around the world tell, telling people what's wrong with their lives. We don't tell them what's wrong with Islam or Buddhism or secularism. We don't ask them to be like us. We strive to take them to the Bible, to the gospel, and invite them to find out about Jesus. And it's amazing to hear the regular stories of people turning to the Lord because someone has invited them to discover the real Jesus. Forgive me if I don't say exactly where in Africa this happened, but just in the last number of weeks, one of my colleagues was saying goodbye to their elderly neighbours before they left to come back to the UK. And they got into quite a conversation. In fact, they got into a conversation that lasted for more than two hours. Now, these neighbours weren't being browbeaten into submission many times during this two hours. They said, tell us more. Tell us more about Jesus. And by the time they finished, these elderly neighbours declared that Jesus was much greater than Muhammad. Now, my colleague had never heard anyone locally say anything like that before. And as he walked away, a local Christian who had been translating for them exclaimed, they accepted. Just as I challenge and remind our mission partners at Crosslinks, can I encourage you to continue to have the same confidence that the word of God can defend itself in your outreach, given the opportunities that you have right now to disturb people's perceptions of Christianity and bring them to the Jesus in the Bible. Now, of course, it's not just a matter of saying that all it takes is for someone to hear the gospel preached and they become followers of the Lord. Jesus prepared his church planters, his disciples, for the reality that they would face. Remember the parable of the sower? Jesus prepares his disciples for the fact that some will reject the message. Others will show signs of early growth but fall away. For others still, the message will be choked by other messages of the world. However, some will trust and believe and grow to spiritual maturity. For surely that was Jesus teaching his disciples from his own experience. And if that's what they were to expect, expect, then perhaps that is what we are to expect also. Now I say this, but, but boy, is it frustrating when you give your life to something, when you see very little fruit for the effort that you've been putting in for so many years. You've moved to a land where the language is difficult to pick up perhaps, People want to get to know you because they think there's money in it for them. The local government wears you down and the church back home wants to hear stories about how your ministry is making a real difference. And that point, at that point, it is very tempting to look for different ways to encourage people to become Christians. Trust me, even experienced missionaries fall into this trap. It's one of those things that you don't recognize in yourself. But before you realise it, 
you might start to imply that becoming a Christian will take away your problems, your employment situation, marital difficulties, health issues. It's really, it's like a gospel plus. But of course, you may have heard it said before, a gospel plus is really a gospel minus. The Apostle Paul, by his own example, warns us. Halfway through verse 2, we read, We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting uh, the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Or perhaps we rely less on getting people to the Bible and concentrate on people's needs, health care, job training, social work, things like that. And don't get me wrong, these are all good things to do, which perhaps in the year ahead, given the situation we're in right now, the churches of this country ought to be engaging with. But it is important to remember that there is no alternative to taking people to the Jesus in the Bible to see their souls one, to, to save their souls for eternity. People don't guess the gospel because a Christian has helped them. There is no alternative. So let us pray for our mission partners and ourselves that we don't give in to the temptation to find other ways to communicate the gospel when they really aren't and to avoid displacement activities that make us feel as if we're doing something useful when preaching the gospel just seems to be having no impact whatsoever. You see, God has called us to serve in, in his ministry and day by day faithfully preach the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when the lampposts in the street outside seem to be more responsive than the people we're talking to, we're called to preach Jesus Christ. The truth is, this is the Lord's ministry. Verse 1, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. And I'm one, I for glad, sorry, I for one am glad that it is he, God, who changes people's lives rather than me. It is an act of saving grace and not my skills of persuasion. We read in verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Frustrating as it is, our job is to present the gospel to those who are perishing and to pray and to allow God to remove the veil that the devil has placed over their hearts. Our job is to preach. It is the Lord's job to take the veil off their hearts. In another part of Africa, Janet became a follower of the Lord Jesus. She was the first in her village. And because of that, she would get beatings regularly from her father. She had become a disgrace to her family, but she wasn't only disowned by her family. You see, her friends left her too. It would have been very easy to become disheartened. It would have been very easy to give up. I wonder what, what we might do in a similar situation. But Janet didn't give up, alone and isolated. She not only persisted in following Jesus, despite the danger to herself, she persisted in telling other people about the Lord Jesus. She had no theological training, but she trusted the Bible and took people to the Jesus of the scriptures. And as a result of that confidence and faithfulness, not forgetting the Lord's gracious intervention, 
her mother and other people in her village are now wonderfully followers of the Lord Jesus. And we trust that it won't end there. Brothers and sisters, let us also remain confident that it is the word of God and the word of God alone that can save the millions of people who are walking around, who are walking around blinded to the truth. Let us preach Jesus Christ as Lord and God himself will unveil his glory in London. He will unveil his glory in the United Kingdom and he will unveil his glory to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you um, for the word of God that we have readily available to us. We thank you in the confidence we have and will want to continue to have that it is powerful in changing people's lives. Please continue to give us the confidence when we lack it to bring people to the Bible, to Jesus, and to trust you to remove the veil from their hearts. May we never slip into ways that take away from your words, that take away from Jesus. Please, at this time of challenge in our country, around this world, uh, would you enable all of us who are followers of you to show people Jesus in the midst of the fear and the, the helplessness and the hopelessness that they have. Thank you again. Amen.